As I mentioned a moment ago, we are now going into the very last message from the book of Revelations. We have just finished looking at all that will take place with the judgment, and now a new heaven and a new earth. Chapter 21, I'm going to read the first 14 verses of chapter 21, and then we'll go on further from there later in the message. Chapter 21 of Revelation Verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, speaking to the Apostle John, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. And on the east three gates, on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. I'll hold there for a moment. But if you would, put your finger there in chapter 21 at verse 14. We'll go on from there in a few moments. Now, as you imagine what we just read, what a wonderful and glorious sight that is to behold. Could anything be more perfect? Is this not what we all long for in the depths of our souls? A new heaven and a new earth. This one that we have is so difficult and it is corrupt. And so here we see this new heaven and a new earth. And then the Lord Jesus will be dwelling with us and walking with us. We as his bride and him as our bridegroom. And great joy filling everything 
everything that we think and say and do. Isn't that a glorious and joyous thought? You'll recall in chapter 20 that as Jesus came seated there upon His great white throne, it was said that the old heavens and the old earth quickly fled from His presence. And there was no place found anywhere for them. They were completely gone. Reading those words and then reading these words here in front of us, I'm reminded of just how awesomely powerful God really is. How in the first beginning, Jesus took His deliberate time as He over a span of six days created all of the minutely detailed parts of the heavens and the earth. And doing it that way deliberately so that you and I could read of it and His Holy Spirit could explain it to us and we could get this glimpse of His creative power, of His might, of His wisdom, of His glory. But then here, here in only a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, just as a teacher would take an eraser and erase the board, in the twinkling of an eye, He wiped away everything. Everything that He had created, completely out of existence. Everything gone. Now why did He need to do that? To wipe away everything. And especially all of those old ways of life that you and I are used to. It's because all of those old ways are truly corrupt. What you and I live in daily is truly corrupt. No matter how much we want it not to be and how much we look at the better side of things, this is corrupt. Our world is filled with self-seeking and hurtful ways. And God knows that we need a new beginning, a brand new beginning. A beginning where, as he says in verse 4, He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying or pain, for all the former things will have passed away. Folks, corruptible things really do need to pass away from existence. You cannot take an old wineskin and put new wine in it. It does not work. You don't take an old Christian and just dress them up. No matter how much you try to cleanse a corrupt person, it'll just not work. That's why you and I need to be born again. A whole new birth. That's what He's doing here. Everything is new. Corruptible things. Everything in this corruptible existence needs to pass away completely. Why? It's because those corruptible ways just will not fit together in harmony with the abiding presence of the pure and holy Lord Jesus. They just will not fit together. And again, especially, that's especially so with people. Corrupt souls who have never been washed in the cleansing blood of the Lamb just cannot bear to be in the same presence as the purity and the holiness of God. And so, as sad as it is to imagine those corrupt souls who want nothing to do with God now in this life, 
they will be assigned to another place. A place that will better fit their character. And that place is the burning pit of hell. It is so sad, but listen. God makes this very clear to us in verse 8. He says, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral. And by the way, sexually immoral has to do with those people who would have consensual sex. Those people who would have casual lifestyles of living together immorally. Those people who would choose to, as Romans 1 tells us, where men choose to have relationships with men and women with women, all of that is covered under these words, sexually immoral. And they will not, they will not have a place in the kingdom of God. All liars, sorcerers, idolaters, their portion, listen, will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death from which there is no coming back. Everything that had to do with that old life, the old heavens, the old earth, will all be gone forever. Forever. And everything will be made new. Verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. You'll recall in John 14 that Jesus promised all who would follow him that he would go and prepare a place for us. And that he would come again and take us to himself, that where he is, that we may be also. And this is it. This is it. Verse 2 I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, he will dwell with them. Jesus will bring us to himself. That promise there in John 14. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. And then in verse 9, verse 9, the angel says to John, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And He carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. This is us. This is us, you and me, the bride. The bride of the Lord Jesus. He will live with us. He will abide with us for all eternity. And there can be nothing better because as we just read there in verse 4, He really will wipe away every tear from your eye. And death will be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying or pain. For all those former things, they will have passed away from existence. They will be no more. They won't be looked forward to. You won't have to wonder if you're going to die, if you're going to be sick, if you're going to be broken hearted. It will not happen anymore. All of that, all of those concepts are gone forever. 
everything. Behold, I am making all things new. That's a promise. And he'll bring it to fruition there in heaven. Notice, as you read also in the words there in verses 9 and following, how God describes for us in great detail, in great detail, a glorious city, one in which those things that we now count as being so important, things like gold and silver and jewels, they are simply stuff. The stuff that walls and streets and pavements are made from. Let's look at those words, beginning there in 21 verse 9. I'm going to read down through verse 21. Listen to the detail of what heaven's going to look like, this new Jerusalem. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and the gates had twelve angels and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. Now, the Lord is is giving us details And that's for a purpose. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke of me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city lies four square. Its length, the same as its width. And... He measured the city with his rod 12,000 stadia. Now a stadia is said here in my notes to be 1,380 miles. So it's 1,380 miles square, this city. Its length and its width and its height are equal. He also measured its walls, 144 cubits. A cubit is about 18 inches. By human measurement, he says here, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth, burrow, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysophase, the eleventh, jacinth, the twelfth, amethyst, the twelfth, the twelfth gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. I'll stop there. I pondered why God gives so much detail here, even to the this exact size of this city. And I'm convinced that He wants you and me to know without any doubt that our new home there in heaven really is a very real place and not just some spiritual manifestation or what some would say is more metaphorical. No, no, this is a very, very real place 
where you and I in our glorified bodies and minds will actually live. And yes, with all of the gold and the silver and the fine jewels, it does seem inordinately opulent. Opulent. But that's not so. It is not. Because we need to remember that we are children of the King. And we are the bride of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's only fitting that we should live in complete luxury. But listen, as we live there, for that eternity and that magnificent luxury, it'll be without pride. It'll be without pride because the focus of our attention and our dedication and our adoration will not be on the luxury around us as it is today, but it'll be upon our beloved bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. And so it'll be all right. And I love to imagine these next words here. Listen, this is beginning in verse 22 of chapter 21. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city had no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. Its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now here, I want us to observe again the glory and the majesty of God. You and I will have no need for a temple. Church buildings will be no more. No place to go and worship God because He Himself is our temple and He will be ever-present with us and in us. And we'll have no need for a sun or a moon to give us light because God the Father and the Lord Jesus will be our light. Now, we can't imagine most of this. I can barely bring it to, to mind. But I believe it. And I want you to believe it. And notice here also that God reveals some of the actual occurrences of daily life that will take place. Verse 24. By His light will the nations walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, into this new Jerusalem. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it, the new Jerusalem, the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now picture this. The way uh, the Lord is going to reign is He will have His throne there in the new Jerusalem and it will have this city but did you notice these words reveal to us that in this new heavens and the new earth there will be nations he tells us about nations here and tells us about kings over them verse 24 by his light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it so the kings of the earth will come before God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, 
and bring things to them. Who are the nations? Who are the nations he's talking about here? They'll be all of the people who now in this life have received Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And their names written then in the Lamb's book of life. They will be the nations that are scattered all across the new earth. Who will be the kings? Who are these kings that are going to bring these glorious things into the new Jerusalem? From the other scriptures, I would suggest most likely it will be those people who are spoken about in such places as the parable of the minas where God rewards His good and faithful servants. You'll recall that by saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Take charge of ten cities. You take charge of five cities. Those faithful servants will probably be these kings in the heavenly kingdom. And as we're told here, they'll bring to the king of kings in the new Jerusalem glorious things. Now, what those glorious things are, we're not told. But these words give us the understanding that there will be a whole new world of living and commerce and other things that we can't begin to imagine. But thankfully, we do know that it will be that new world of, of living and commerce will be without any form of corruption. The kind of corruption so common to us here in this life. Verse 26, they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing, listen, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then listen also, over in chapter 22, these precious words describing some of the daily living that we'll experience there. Verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So now you have the throne of God and the Lamb of God there in the throne next to Him. Through the middle of the street of the city, now this is the water of life that's flowing, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp, no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now isn't this precious? From other similar references in these scriptures, we know that the river of life, the river of the water of life, speaks specifically of the Holy Spirit. And here we see all three of the Trinity dwelling together and us in their presence. Because he, he describes here in verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. This is the Holy Spirit, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God the Father, and of the Lamb, the Son. All three there together. And so we will dwell with the Trinity. And then notice these next words that tell us about the blessed tree of life. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now it seems strange to me that once we're in heaven... 
that we'll need to eat. But that is the purpose of fruit. And that fruit will come from the tree of life. And it's to be eaten by us daily. Now, I can't quite envision this, but can you imagine eating fruit daily from the tree of life? And then we're told here that the leaves of these trees are intended to heal us, which brings another question. Why will we still need healing? All our sins have been washed away. The pain and the suffering of our old life, emotionally, physically, spiritually, that'll all be gone. And we will be in our new glorified bodies with our glorified minds. Why then do we need healing? And I don't really know. But may I suggest a possible answer? I believe that it will have to do with all of those things that we will have done and experienced in this life. And this is the way of God revealing His grace and mercy that He showed to us while bearing through our sinful behaviors while we're here in the flesh. You'll recall that we're told that everything that we've ever done, whether good or evil, will be brought to us. Perhaps this is one of the ways that God will do it and He will heal us from all of those experiences. I don't know, but I'd like to suggest that. Now the last few words of this book are in the forms of both invitations and warnings much on the same order as we might read there in Deuteronomy 30 where God says, I set before you this day life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Here in verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. A promise. Verse 10 then and following. And he says to me, Do not seal up the book of the prophecy of this book or the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Now God is saying to us here, you have choices. And you're going to make those choices right up until the end. But you have choices to make. And every one of those choices will have eternal consequences. Because listen to verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the Lord Jesus says, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Now, how will we wash our robes? We know how. We'll cleanse them through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Verse 15 now is a warning for us today. Outside of the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. He repeats this again. They're not going to enter into heaven. This is a stern warning. No sinful person or thing will be permitted to enter the gates of heaven. Then in verse 16, Jesus gives us his final invitation. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and the morning star. 
The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who desires to take of the water of life without price, Come. And then there's a final warning. One that speaks specifically about our receiving of these words that we're reading and our regard for these scriptures. Listen, verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. This warning is for this book of Revelations, but also for any of the books of the Bible. Too often, listen, too often even the most devout of believers would like these words to say something that they don't really say. And we're tempted to insert some of our own words and thoughts and beliefs. I do that. I do that. But I have to be very careful. You and I have to be very, very careful when we do that. And we had better not add one word into what these words are telling us. You and I and everyone else really needs to accept God as He really is. We cannot remake Him in the image that we would like Him to be. We need to believe who He is based upon these infallible words here in these Scriptures. We must take these words exactly as they are, nothing more, nothing less. And as we're warned here, If we add anything to them or take away anything, God will deal ever so severely with us because of that. And so then, God closes out the pages of this Bible with these simple words. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. And our response back to Him, Amen. Come. Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. Amen. Let's pray.